2: 971 FM Talk Podcast.
3: The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods.
4: That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they are talking about. That's us,
2: that's right. Gotta love this American ride.
5: Right.
4: Right, you need
6: to take the time and get the full picture.
7: Oh, but the ladies. I mean, they read my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. What do you want from me? I'm not a married sweetheart.
4: For goodness sake of keep your voice down. Your father's listening to
1: the radio. I'm not a married sweetheart.
6: This is the Annie Fry Show. Growth is strong. Wages are, wages are rising. Inflation is down. In fact, the costs have fallen from from a gallon of gas to a gallon of milk. We know prices are still too high because of what I call greedflation and shrinkflation.
4: Okay, President Biden speaking there about greedflation. <laughs> I guess you could put anything in front of inflation. Ageflation, where you act way older <laughs> than maybe your age actually suggests. Um, I don't know. I. I, I want to talk about shrinkflation today. We're not going to That's like sounds like something an old person <laughs> radio show would be. Let's really break down this shrinkflation thing. But shrinkflation is freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy. And I would have thought that Joe Biden at the beginning of his statement there was bragging about how everything, all the costs of everything are coming down. That's a good thing, right? If costs are finally coming down, I haven't seen it personally. But, you know, if President Biden says it's true, then, well... He also said this in a video that came out yesterday. Listen to this.
6: It's Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. Mm. A bag of chips has fewer chips. But they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation.
4: Did he say ice cream cars? I think he
2: was trying to say cartons.
4: Cartons.
6: most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk cartons. in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now.
4: So you have the president saying the prices are coming down on things. But then at the same time, he's also saying, and they're making stuff smaller. (laughs) And it bothers him. Why? Because they've come for his ice cream, cars, or cartons. (laughs) So that's the YouTube live chat poll for today on the Annie Fry YouTube channel. Have you personally noticed obvious instances of shrinkflation, yes or no? And I think that we should all... Help each other out and talk about the different places where you've seen it. Because, well, you guys were talking the other day, you and Ryan were talking about your Big Mac.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Big, (laughs) big promotion. Yeah. It's like a quadruple burger. The double
2: Big Mac. So two patties where there's usually one patty on each. So four. Four patties total.
4: That are half the size as they used to be. So (laughs) it's the same thing, but we get to promote something new. Yeah. That's the, that's the. More assumption. or less,
2: yeah. That's what. Well, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's what they ended up with. So they, yeah, the the patties were about the size of a Jimmy Dean sausage, which and not that thick either. They're regular thickness, and they're just
4: small little medallions of burger. And they're not cheap. No, it's not cheap. I mean, when I, good grief, do you remember the all American meal at McDonald's? I, yeah, do yeah, you? Yeah. It yeah. was like a cheeseburger, uh, probably a small fry, and a probably yeah. a. Medium Coke 16-ounce soda or something. I remember when we used to get those All-American meals as children. And then the—I should just see if I could pull up, like, an old ad from it. I think it was, like, $2.29 for the meal. Maybe that was on Tuesdays or something like that, that you could get an All-American meal for $2.29. Whatever. Dollar menus came out. There are no dollar menus anymore. They have value menus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. value menus, you might have something on there that's a dollar and change, but it's a dollar seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. And it's a tortilla with some shredded cheese inside rolled <laughs> up. And they call it a cheese roll-up. The economy is in a position where we've we've heard experts on both sides of the aisle, nonpartisan experts as well, talk about where this economy has strengths, but the American consumer still isn't feeling the payoff of a good economy. And that actually matters significantly in an election year. Steve Moore is going to be with us at 105. I'm going to ask him about shrinkflation. I'm going to ask him about um, how we are going. First of all, I think the big question is, do we just need to get used to this? Is this improvable? Do you have an economy shift the way we've had it shift since COVID, where we printed money and handed it out to people under both a Republican president and a Democrat president. And then you flood the the market with all of this money. Prices go up on everything. I know people talk about inflation, but also prices moved in the post-COVID market because there was so much money out there to be spent. And those prices didn't come down. Is this something that is fixable? And whose responsibility is it to fix it? Is it the government's responsibility to try to do something to regulate it? Is it the Fed's responsibility? Uh, is it consumers' responsibility to say, no, that product or service isn't valuable to me anymore. So I choose not to to uh, patronize it or to purchase it. So I'm going to stop doing that to where companies have to say, Man, for whatever particular reason, people aren't buying this product anymore. These double Big Macs aren't selling the way that I thought that they would be. Maybe we need to make the burger patties bigger so that it sells. Because that would be a free market, capitalistic way to look at the problem. The question is, if we manipulate the economy through overregulation and printing of money, if it, if the problem starts that way, is the market in a position to fix it? And I'm asking all of these questions with no idea what the real answer is. I, like you, would like to get back to the place where my money stretches as far as it possibly can, that my dollar is valuable, that raising four children uh, in a suburban, um, not a a very nice, adequate living existence that I would not in any way, shape, or form consider to be uh, presumptuous or extravagant, I mean... I'm about, as, I'm about as middle class and um, middle America as it gets. And it is a challenge. And I think that Americans know that. And to hear the president speaking about shrinkflation in that way, using it as an opportunity. And you'll hear he said multiple things in there. They are going to go all in on making the criticisms of last week of President Biden, his age, his acuity, the 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 kitschy things that people associate with him being old, people, uh, this kind of, I think this is super low-hanging fruit. And I understand that low-hanging fruit also needs to be picked. But Brad, it's like I want people to broaden their thoughts on mm-hmm. how to comment about Joe Biden's age. But you, we can't, so many pundits over-commit on the ice cream connection. Yeah. Talking about chocolate chip ice cream and you know, we need to put the president down for his ice cream and his nap and it's like you just hear that over and over and over again. And to me, the reason why that kind of frustrates me a, a bit is because it's oversimplifying a problem yeah. that actually has gigantic consequences for the yeah, country.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It it if you go at it that way and we see this with Donald Trump from the other side, it just becomes noise in the background, and people don't realize what's at stake. The problem isn't that Joe Biden is just a uh, what was the phrase a, a, a well-meaning elderly old man with memory poor issues. memory. Yeah, the problem is is that he is also the president of the United States, and and if we are going to talk about his memory issue and his age being an issue, you have to look at it from the prospect of. Well, now we're talking about Russia and Ukraine and what Russia's doing in Ukraine and how that's going to happen. We got to talk about the economy and how his processes in the economy have affected people. He talked about shrinkflation. He's blaming companies for trying to keep the prices the same so they can continue to sell stuff, even though to do so, because of inflation, which is a Joe Biden issue. They can't give you what you used to get because stuff just costs more to put in a package. It's not greed or anything like that. You have to talk about Israel and and Biden telling Israel, stay out of, uh, was it Rafa last night? Mm-hmm. Stay out of Rafa. Don't go in there. Well, Israel said, you know what? We're going in. And they came out with two hostages. Israel was able to rescue two hostages. We've got to look at how Biden... Has said these things and set these policies, and how much is his memory playing into all of this? That it's affecting world politics, geopolitics, economy, and every aspect of your life as a person. Joe Biden's memory is a big deal because it can have drastic ramifications on there. Joe Biden messes up something, and we could be at World War Three.
4: Yeah, I, I I agree. the The stakes are too high for it just to be a playful. Ice cream, old man joke, which is what, to me, the people who really spend and dwell a lot of time on those kinds of discussions, their focus is just winning in November. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember why it's so important to win in November. I'm not opposed to winning in November. I want that to be the ultimate goal. But I don't think that the pathway to a November victory for Republicans lies with Cheap shots at an old man who everybody knows is overextended in his commitments in this position and that there are real consequential things that have to do with us. We always need to ask the question, listen to all of these conversations that people are having about politics, about the election, about uh, political things that are being brought into a political or non-political big stories that are taking place. Like all of a sudden it always becomes political. If it's only about winning the election, we have to be talking about why the election needs to be won. And the spotlight needs to not be on Joe Biden and Donald Trump as much as it needs to be on the American people. If we live day to day in an America that only obsesses with the outcome of an election, then we cease to exist as the country that is the we the people country. We need to shift our focus away from celebritizing and uh, the, the, the pouring of fame that exists, obsession that exists with these individuals as people, and elevate the stories Of people like you, people like me, people like your family members, people like your kids, like your grandkids that need to grow up in a country that is strong, that is resolute, that is sovereign, that prioritizes fundamental God-given rights, that understands that the value of being American is intrinsic in not one individual person who is chosen to lead that country. And that the person who we put in the Oval Office, they are there to protect the thing that is the most valuable, the Constitution that restricts the rights of government on behalf of the people. That is the power that this country has. And the power is too big for one person to manifest it, to protect it, to own it, to possess it. It is shared by everybody. It is shared by the people who completely disagree with your political opinions. The people who listen to the show who completely disagree with my opinions. The people who think that I am missing the mark on the daily basis by the stories that I choose or the people who think that the stories I choose that I'm missing the mark on the actual point. Because if, you know, when I look at that, I always remind myself, if these people were blessed in the way that I am currently blessed and hope to be continue to be blessed to have an opportunity to speak for three hours a day, yes, I'm going to miss the mark. Yes, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, in a three-hour show, that's a long time to talk, but we we cannot cover everything every day on this show. And, and I specifically do my show as a part of a family here at 97.1, where I know that Mark and Mark are covering things that are... Very important to their audiences. And I know Brian Kilmeade, in a magnificent way, covers things that I am not an expert on and cannot articulate to you in the way that Brian Kilmeade can with his knowledge of history and foreign policy. And also, of course, Brian Kilmeade being um, one of the marquee personalities at Fox News, his access to the very top tier guests. 97 1 across the board is here every single day. To make sure that you are in the spotlight, that you are the center of the focus, because the the pull, the natural inclination for us to get the popcorn out and watch the reality TV show that is an election. Where there are obvious insults that you can make towards Donald Trump, there are obvious insults that you can make towards Joe Biden at the end of those day of of that day. The popcorn is gone. The insults are the same as they were yesterday and will be the next day. And the American people aren't being discussed. We have to make a commitment to make sure that the spotlight is always on the American people and the Constitution. And everything else that comes after that, when you ask yourself, when you're watching an argument on a cable news network or if you're listening to an argument on this show and The only point of that article or of that argument is to get to the place where you remember that Donald Trump is my guy or Joe Biden is my guy that you can come to that conclusion, but it has to be by way of the people. It can't be a tribal thing. It has to be by way of the people. That's the only way. That, in my opinion, the good side, the America first side is going to be able to pull off a victory in November. YouTube live chat poll for today is have you noticed, have you personally noticed obvious instances of shrinkflation? Yes or no? I am very interested in comments that y'all are going to leave here and maybe tip us off. Because, some, you know, sometimes you notice these things and then you think it and then you find yourself in the grocery store. And for whatever reason, you can actually factually compare this bottle to that bottle that you still had at home and it's gotten smaller and it costs more now. I wanna know these instances and see if we've noticed them together collectively, uh, as an audience. Ripper said the box for Colgate toothpaste is the same size, but the tube inside is smaller than it used to be. Colgate toothpaste. I wonder if that's I wonder if that's accurate.
2: He said that and I know I, I just got a new bottle of toothpaste and it's not the big one anymore. It's
4: But the box is the same. Yes. Ah! Man, these people. Good the thing is that Joe Biden is on the case. <laughs> Steve Moore will be with us at 105 to talk about Uh, shrinkflation, And also I'm going to ask him, is there a political party? Is there a presidential candidate that will focus on the debt, the thirty four trillion dollars in debt? Or is that something that's just out the window and part of our existence as well? Steve Moore at one oh five, the attorney general of the state of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. When we come back, don't go.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: wellesley brookline you know cities and towns that have
6: so much more resources um than the city of boston boston city councilwoman julia mejia thinks more migrants can be placed outside of boston i think
0: everybody needs to start opening up their doors because this is a shared responsibility
6: controversy over the placement of surging immigrants comes as a new report links immigrants who settle in Massachusetts to economic benefits for the region.
4: Well, you know, Boston Councilwoman there, Julia Mejia, says that we have a shared responsibility here. Open up your doors. You got resources. Give them up. We need to house these people. Says the Boston Councilwoman, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, what kind of resources do we have to spare here that we should provide to people who just decided to put their middle fingers up and come across our southern border and do so under Joe Biden's administration, who has said, yeah, we'll lift that razor wire for you. Come right on in to speak about this issue here in the state of Missouri, specifically the attorney general of the state of Missouri. Andrew Bailey joins us once again. Thank you, attorney general, for being here today. It's good to have you back.
3: Hey, Annie, thank you so much for having me on and covering this important issue.
4: You know, you are uh, once again participating in as well as leading the charge to push back against the Biden administration. A lot of the conversation uh, in the news right now is about this border bill that's in the Senate. But meanwhile, you're doing what you can with the power of your office as attorney general in the state of Missouri to challenge the Biden administration on their abdication of duty. How is that process going for you right now?
3: Well, we're fighting and winning for Missourians every day. Look, President Biden on day one in office hung an open sign at our southern border. How did he do that? Well, number one, he signed an executive order saying he wasn't going to build any more border walls, despite the fact that in 2006, he voted as a senator for the Secure Fence Act. So (laughs) he knows walls work, but it's a political position. He was willing to put the rest of our lives and security at risk by saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he perverted the law. He essentially used rulemaking authority to create new visa programs to allow large swaths of people into this country illegally who otherwise would not have been allowed in, uh, and Congress never authorized it. But then he also instituted this catch-and-release policy and repealed Remain in Mexico. So it's like every single thing he could have done to make America less safe to open up our border to criminal aliens, President Biden has done it. So we've launched three lawsuits to try to fight back, uh, to, to point out that he's perverting the law to create these legal pathways through the rulemaking authority it's actually making missouri communities less safe the most important loss that we've got pending right now is to force him to finish building donald trump's border wall and congress appropriated money for that annie it's sitting there collecting interest right now the, the appropriations bill specifically says that he has to erect new border barrier systems period but he has vexed harassed and delayed that process we took him to court i'm here to tell you annie i think we're going to get a positive ruling out of the court in the coming days or weeks, and I want to come back on your show and talk about it, we'll, we will have been the first state in the nation to successfully sue the Biden administration over his disaster at our southern border. But don't forget, this isn't just about a difference in policy. People's lives are being negatively impacted in enormous ways across Missouri communities. 1,100 incidents is reported of human trafficking, making Missouri the fourth worst state in the nation now for human trafficking. We've had more than 1,500 deaths in one year alone, from fentanyl poisoning, 43 innocent children who died because of accidental exposure to fentanyl. So President Biden has turned every state into a border state by his disastrous uh, open sign at the southern border. And we're going to fight back using the court process.
4: Well, we know that you have uh, stuck to it and you've joined other states as well in several of these different cases. And some you've had other states join you. Um, I'm reading a press release from your office, and it says that since Biden took office, more than 8 million illegal aliens have crossed the southern border. That's more than the entire population of Missouri. Do you think that the president understands the gravity of the situation on the southern border? Does he get it?
3: Well, Well, I think there's two things going on here. Either one, he doesn't understand. And look at the special counsel report that came out at the end of last week. I mean, the guy is asleep at the wheel. He has no idea where he is, what year it is, what he's doing, and yet somehow He's supposed to be the leader of the free world, which makes you wonder who's actually calling the shots there at the White House. But then secondly, he, even to the extent he's awake enough to understand what's going on, he doesn't care. They want the criminal aliens in this country, and then they want, to get, they want blue states to, to give them the right to vote so that no Republican can ever win another election. I mean, it, when, when President Trump says the system is rigged, this is exactly what he's talking about, and he's completely correct about that.
4: We're speaking with the attorney general of the state of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. He joins us right now. You mentioned that uh, Biden repealed remain in Mexico. I assume that was through an ex- is that through an executive order that he did that?
3: Yeah, that's right. Through uh, just a re- rescinding a rule. It was a, a policy position uh, enumerated in a rule and he rescinded it. And several states filed suit to, put, to try to prevent him from doing that. And the court essentially said, look, the president gets to make this decision And if the people don't like it, they can sound off through their elected representatives in Congress. Mm -hmm. The problem is, rather than impeach Secretary Mayorkas for his failure to do his job and secure our southern border, rather than withhold funding from the Biden administration if they're not going to do their jobs, instead what we've got is this crooked deal being crafted in the Senate to, to provide more money and more statutes. Well, if he's not using the money that's already there and he's not using the law that's already on the books, why would we give him more? That doesn't make any sense. Instead, we need to hold him accountable for his refusal to use the tools in the toolbox today. President Trump had the same immigration code and reduced border crossings, illegal border crossings, by 90 percent. So don't let President Biden hold the rest of us hostage and demand some crooked deal out of the Senate.
4: I think it's an interesting point on the remain in Mexico. I I have a couple other questions I want to ask you. But when you said that, it it, it kind of perked my interest because I've heard Democrat pundits say that he can't that Biden can't unilaterally just say remain in Mexico is in place because it would have to be a a conversation that would be with the president of Mexico, which is a whole other conversation with the president of the United States. Uh, The guy who's the president of Mexico would have to be involved in that and be in agreement. But if it wasn't if it's a policy that he inherited and was in place and and then executive ordered, signed it away, then that absolutely is on the president of the United States. Yeah,
3: I mean, look, this is a simple formula. I feel like left wing pundits want to overcomplicate it to confuse everyone. But at the end of the day, our immigration code is set up to where if you're not authorized to be here through law, you don't get to come here until you get the authorization. And if we catch you here, we should detain you and send you back. But President Biden is doing the opposite of those things, as you pointed out. He's cutting the razor wire at the southern border that the state of Texas put up in order to let new people in. He's created an app on phones and then advertised it in other countries and said, look, if you get on this app and find a sponsor in America, you can come on over. Again, this is a perversion of our law, and it's a a tantamount to hanging an open sign at the southern border. And look, our entire legal system loses credibility if we're not going to enforce the laws that are on the books.
4: I want to ask you, uh, speaking with the attorney general of the state of Missouri, Andrew Bailey, about the um – importance of states' rights, federalism, the power that exists with the state of Missouri when we do also have a federal government. And, you know, the Constitution comes into play and it's, it's very complicated. It's very intricate. It's very amazing. But explain to me the, the power and the position that Individually, the state of Missouri and also in conjunction with the individual power of these other states like uh, Alabama, uh, Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, the the list goes on and on of of states who have stepped up and said to the federal government, you're going to stop right there. We're going to exert our rights as individual states. How important is that in our system?
3: Well, certainly our constitutional structure is paramount to maximizing freedom, safety, safety and prosperity. And it's a, it's a shared power. You know, the federal government is split into three branches, and ha- each branch has certain uh, uh, powers that are enumerated in the Constitution. But remember, the Constitution exists to protect us from the government. And the 10th Amendment means something. And what it says is that any power not explicitly given to the federal government is reserved to the states and the people of states. And the states have a right to defend themselves, especially if the federal government is falling down on the job and refusing to secure our southern border. And we have the kind of death and destruction that we're seeing not only in Missouri, but across the nation. And so it's important that like-minded states band together. You know, I think my office has partnered with other Republican attorneys general more than 160 times in the last several months alone. And that just shows how uh, important it is to to have strength in numbers. And certainly several of these lawsuits that we filed uh, are in coordination with other state attorneys general, because again, we want to speak with one voice that if the federal government is not going to do their job, then we have to step in and do it for them. And look, I have any I I served in the United States Army. I fought in the war on terror. I've seen what a secure border looks like because I was my platoon was tasked with securing a section of the border between Iraq and Syria in 2005. And we stood there with weapons and said, you're not going to come across. And that worked. And I'm here to tell you that Iraq-Syria border in 2005 was more secure than the disaster that Joe Biden has created at the southern border of the United States in 2024. And that's that's shameful.
4: Final question for the Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who joins us now on the Annie Fry Show. I want to ask you to react to what's going on in New York City. Of course, we saw those uh, illegal immigrants who attacked those police officers. New York City arrests them and promptly lets them go. They give the double bird to the entire city of New York uh, of New York City. I keep saying city of New York City. I gotta stop saying that. But effectively, the entire system that is set up here in the United States of America. Then they flee. I think they got found somewhere in maybe Arizona. Are the are the laws that are in place in New York City? Is what the Alvin Braggs and 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 the the politicians in, New, in the state of New York and in the city of New York, um, are they getting what they asked for by putting into place think, laws that don't adhere to prioritizing American citizens?
3: Yeah, Annie, I think they absolutely are. I mean, look, we've seen this on a smaller scale here in Missouri with the you know disastrous social experiment when Soros backed uh, Kim Gardner as a circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis, and she essentially refused to enforce the law, had a 96% non-prosecution rate.
5: <laughs> uh, you know,
3: that, that, that turns our safety and security over to the criminals. And obviously they don't have our best interests at heart. The same thing is going on in these blue states. And if we let Joe Biden, uh, let his disaster at the southern border continue, uh, it's going to cause even more problems for the rest of us. That's why we've got to keep fighting back. rather than of the lawsuit for a win here in the coming days.
4: Well, Attorney General, thank you for being with us. And thank you for updating on this. And like you said, this timeline seems like it could be near. We want an update when you get it. Thank you for being here today.
3: Hey, thank you so much, Annie. All the best to you and your listeners.
4: You as well. Good to have you. Attorney General Andrew Bailey uh, for the state of Missouri and joining all of those other states that are joining Texas in trying to defend our southern border. Good to know that somebody is. Man, you can count the red states on the map to see who cares about that sovereign border. We're going to take a quick break. Wiggins, America, when we come back, he's got the Monday roundup. If he doesn't uh, report on it, it didn't happen, or so he says. Let's see what Ryan Wiggins has to say in Wiggins, America, when we come back. Go away.
7: Wiggins, oh! Monday roundup! This year's the wildest ride in the wilderness!
4: That might be my favorite part of the
7: show all week is just the last line of my Monday intro. Yeah, not actually the segment. No, no, no. I know. No, I love this I didn't segment. I expect that. This is
4: this is my favorite segment every day. You know why?
7: You don't have to lead it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about it. Yeah. You're just and it's responding.
4: a nice, nice exhale departure. Usually from.
7: Usually it is a little bit of a break. Although we do have <laughs> the a, country
4: is under attack and invasion, <laughs> and yeah,
7: <laughs> we do have a couple of political stories this week. But I'm gonna lead with the Super Bowl stories because I think that's ah what's the Super Bowl on everybody's mind. Let's was that, talk. Was that this weekend? oh yeah yeah just so you know
4: i said to i know that you (laughs) sent these stories so i didn't know if we'd get to it and i thought if ryan talks about the super bowl that that ought to cover it right but i I said to brad ahead of time i go if we get through the whole day and we don't mention the super bowl i'm not gonna be mad about
7: it did you watch it
4: we'll talk about that later
7: okay so you do want to talk about it
4: uh we can especially if i need to fill time
7: okay (laughs) do you have any guess, any of you about what the winners get for winning the Super Bowl and the losers get. Because you get you get money if you're a player for doing like it. Like a swag bag. Ooh. Oh,
4: you're talking like money. Like
7: you get money. For your job. Yeah. You you get extra money the further you get in the playoffs in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, obviously. That's is, pretty
4: standard across professional mm-hmm. sports.
7: Yes, it is. Do you know what they get if you're just any player who's played the whole season, or at least the majority of the season? I think if you played more than three games, you get the full pot. Any guesses? A quarter mil. Quarter mil not a bad guess. I'm basing was, it on what I know be from my baseball, guess, so I'm going to go four hundred thousand dollars. Leah, I'm not going to guess one dollar.
4: I, <laughs> I saw the I dollar. read the article. Do a dollar,
7: okay? Then you know, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's actually less than two hundred fifty thousand. Is it? It's one hundred fifty seven thousand per player.
4: So it would be the people on the forty man roster that are there, but it would also be anybody who might have been traded mid season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that. It's always fun after the World Series to find out like who all gets a ring. Yeah, yeah, it is. Somebody who got traded to some like, no offense, but like the Pirates.
7: Yeah, or or some guy <laughs> who who never played, who is just like a extra bullpen guy.
4: Well, I mean, it does, but all those people contribute to the success of a team. You got a great bullpen catcher; that is an incredibly valuable mm-hmm. asset to have. And I mean, like. Carl Middleman is the sound guy for the St. Louis Blues and was when they won the Stanley Cup, and he has a ring. Yeah. Which I I didn't know that. Yeah, he has a
2: legit Stanley Cup ring.
4: I think that if you were, like, um... Bennington, your ring looks maybe different than Carl's, but Carl's still got a ring. Carl, Carl the, the producer
7: us. for the morning show, Yes, just, just so you know.
4: Yeah, and the guy who sounds the horn when they score a goal.
7: He's he's both of those people. Yeah,
4: he's like almost a hype man.
7: I love going to blues games and being like, Carl, can you play some Led Zeppelin right now? And he'll be like, let me see what I can you do.
4: just should say, like, hey, sometime during the game, play some Taylor Swift, and it'll be for me.
7: <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, I will not do happen. that. Uh, the loser, by the way, gets a little more <laughs> than half of that, 82000 per player. If you lose the Super Bowl,
4: oh, so this is if they win?
7: Yeah, that's if you win the Super Bowl. Because you get getting to the Super Bowl, 000.
4: they would get money.
7: You're guaranteed eighty two thousand if you, even if you lose the Super Bowl. That's actually a pretty big portion of some of these players' salaries. It's Incentive. of course, yeah. It, I mean, it's all incentives,
4: just like what Trevor Bauer wants, along with league minimum. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs>
7: we'll talk about that later. Also, the other, since you mentioned Taylor Swift, the other story about the Super Bowl, uh, I do have to mention this. How long was Taylor Swift on TV during the Super Bowl? Did you look ahead of time? Did you see this? No. Over under on two minutes. You think she was over or I'm under? I'm gonna take the under. Minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna
4: say under too. I'm gonna say. Well, what? When? When do we start?
7: You start at the kickoff, and you end it at the touchdown. I yeah, I think that if you, yeah. they, they this, doesn't
4: inc- this doesn't count her standing out in front of Travis Kelsey acting like a frat boy on the stage. This doesn't clawing. include all
7: the stuff at the end with them kissing. I'm and-
4: only going to, as a test taker, as somebody who's traditionally a good test taker, assume that you would make it be the under because you would think we would guess over.
7: Mm, that's very good. It okay. is under. <laughs> good job. But I
4: bet it's close. Well,
7: <laughs> how about this? Over, under on a minute.
4: Over. Over. Yeah
7: over it's under it's really? under a minute
4: good for them yeah
7: i thought the same thing i thought they they showed her enough i mean it's, she's a huge celebrity it's been a huge story they're in the super bowl you have to show her but they didn't show her a lot and it was actually 51 seconds during the actual game huh. that is pretty darn good that that shows some discipline on the part of the nfl who have made a lot of money on her i don't being
4: understand though like the concept that And I think Taylor Swift understands this. Taylor Swift does not need the hype of being shown at a Super Mm -hmm. Bowl game for exposure. Nobody is unexposed to Taylor Swift.
7: If there's anybody on the planet who doesn't need it, it's probably her.
4: No. Well, yes. 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 Correct. Nobody. It's almost if I were Taylor Swift, there's a part of me that would think that it would be Demeaning to the success that I've achieved to like need to be shown by the NFL. Now, she is part of the story. We did see Jeff Goldblum in the stands. We did see Oh, I didn't see him. Oh, I saw a lot of I missed Twitter that. after the fact, and he looked like he was super excited to see him on a, himself on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> I would be. <laughs> I know. But you were in fact yeah. not Jeff Goldblum. But I if I was even if I was A-list in the fly, rate. I'd be like, hey, hey, it's still me. <laughs> And I still think it's cool. we saw Beyonce. We saw Jay-Z. Jack friggin' Dorsey. Yeah, I saw him, too. I, I, when, I We'll talk about what I did and didn't see later. But Beyonce, Jay-Z looking like an old lady grandma. Who's that? I reckon that... Is that Jack? <laughs> okay. Now, in the Beyonce suite? Yeah. Weird. Um, They show all those celebrities. You can't not show Taylor Swift. I agree. So, I... I, I gosh... The people who don't who who emphatically don't care about Taylor Swift care more than the Swifties about mm-hmm. this issue.
7: Mm-hmm. I saw something this weekend that said suggested that the the estimate the amount the NFL has made from just her presence is an additional three hundred million this year. So I get that they want to show her a little bit, but they they were yeah, but, pretty disappointed. But if
4: you it. want, you're saying they want to show her because not out of care and concern for her because it helps their people. it helps them
7: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it absolutely in. helps them all right yeah. next story. using the whip all right <laughs> the Super Bowl <laughs> ad since we're still doing Super Bowl this one crosses over now okay so we're talking about politics because there was an ad during the Super Bowl for RFK jr if you didn't see it here it is. <laughs>
6: Man for president who seasoned through and through. A man who's old enough to know and young enough to do.
4: Well, it's up to you, Is it's this an old uh, it's strictly uh, up to you. Is this something that was used for JFK? American 2024 yeah. is responsible Bobby. for the content of this advertisement. R-K?
7: It's very much a throwback ad in and I don't know whether they pulled it directly from... Mm-hmm. they did, Brad saying they pulled yeah. it directly from Art our- Bobby Kennedy. So Yeah.
4: I didn't see I didn't see this commercial. I didn't get to see many of the commercials, but I did see RFK... All I know of this is that RFK Jr. has come out and apologized for That's people the who story. are
7: hurt. Yeah. But,
4: but I was like, what is he apologizing for?
7: Yeah, it's, it's very strange. It's because he says, I'm so sorry if the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain. Yeah. The ad was created and aired by the American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approval from my campaign. FEC rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I love you. God bless you.
4: But doesn't... So I saw this post... And then what I generally do is spend 60 seconds maybe scanning comments and replies on the post to um get an idea of what each side is saying about this. Someone said that he had it pinned to his profile.
7: I guess. I mean, once it airs, I'm sure then it's public domain and he can grab it.
4: Well, I mean, if it's on Twitter, you can pin it. Yeah. But I but the thing the thing that was weird to me is that his apology was to people in his family. Aren't those people who you can just text? <laughs>
7: Is it is yes. a, is a public apology? And, it, and it's clear that this was purely political, too, because it was Bobby Shriver, who's Kennedy's cousin, who criticized the ad. He said, my cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. She would be appalled by his deadly health care views. So it's it's not that he's complaining personally. He's just saying, oh, politically, we disagree. Uh, she had respect for science vaccines and health care equity they were in her dna she strongly supported my healthcare work which he opposes
4: well i think that she doesn't get to claim her uncle when mm. it's his father mm-hmm. her mother maybe yes but to me what that woman did that one that woman used an opportunity to make a political statement yes not exactly. a family statement she cared more about the politics of that moment than she cared about the familial relationships, which makes me think that an apology that comes on Twitter from RFK Jr. to family that is hurt is probably also not going to mend the fences.
7: Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much a roundup of everything's super bowl related. Got a couple other ones that are political, but, but that's, that's the best roundup I can give in the time we have left, which is very, very little here, but that RFK one, I really thought that ad was really good. I, I mean, thought it, it caught my too. attention. Um, it definitely set him apart. It's one of the more um, unique political ads mm-hmm. that I think I've seen in the last decade or two. So kudos to him. There you go. There's your Monday roundup.
4: If people are watching on the YouTube channel right now, or if you want to jump onto the AnyFry YouTube channel, I, there there are certain things that I could talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl, but like I was saying before about the Taylor Swift stuff, my disinterest in the NFL, since the NFL screwed St. Louis over, I don't want to be people, the person who is like super disinterested. Get more at 971talk.com. I actually am pretty disinterested.